Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. Today, a particularly tough one for us baseball fans is today thursday march the 26th would have been the start of baseball season ah it's a real kick in the you know what's right there as i think we were all looking forward obviously to the season starting and it is certainly frustrating that we are not there and uh who knows when we will be there there has been an, and we'll dive into it some interesting talk about that as always um i hope everyone out there's Staying healthy and uh, doing all we can to, to get through this tough time. Um, and hopefully talking a little Phillies, talking a little baseball could help take your mind off things for a little bit. So let's dive in um, a little bit later on. And, and I, I was talking about doing a potential uh, all-time face of the franchise show. We're going to do that tomorrow because there was some news um, to talk about that came out yesterday. Um, and I thought certainly worth talking about. And, and we'll also talk a little Phillies later on. But... Um, Jeff Passan put out a story early in the day yesterday uh, talking about MLB and the union talking about weighing the potential variables that are related to a potential start of the season when the season can start. And there really is a lot to get into with this. You know, a lot of things that you don't just think about, oh, baseball will come back and they'll play games and it'll be fine. Like there are so many things that that go into that. We've talked a lot about the potential issues with spring training, how much time when players need to get ready, but there's a lot more nuanced stuff to it. So let's dive into the Passon article. A lot to get into here. Um, Passon starts the article talking uh, about the subjects that Major League Baseball is juggling, according to sources. Um, a deal with the, this is from Passon's article, a deal with the MLB Players Association that would advance a portion of players' salaries and cover a wide swath of labor-related issues Receiving assurances from teams that non-player employees will receive paychecks through at least April with cost-cutting measures of possibility in May. Delivering payments to minor league players, most of whom have not received a paycheck since the end of last season in September of 2019 is also something that um, is being discussed. There's a lot of issues here. You think about um, you know, the idea of, of depending on how many games they play, how long is the season, what should players get played. We'll get into more issues with service time and all that, which is fascinating. Um, but that is one of the main things that this um, that the, they're going back and forth on. Um, reading from Basson's article, the MLB and the MLBPA have worked toward a potential agreement over the last 10 days, acknowledging the inevitability of a shortened season, which we expected. Uh, Passing goes on to say, both parties hope w- that hope both parties hope would begin in early June. 
um, which obviously that would be optimistic. Um, and it would guarantee players a prorated salary that would depend on the number of games played, according to sources. Uh, passing goes on. Multiple players told ESPN that they are willing to play a significant number of double headers, as many as two a week, to make up for lost games, trying to get as close to possible as a full 162-game schedule. That obviously has so many different complications with it as well. You know, double headers twice a week. You think about the roster decisions that have to be made there. Um, something I had talked about when talking about how the Phillies, how this kind of affects the Phillies in particular, that would be something that theoretically could hurt them a little bit with their lack of depth, especially pitching. You know, you'd have to, we'd be seeing a lot more Cole Irvin starts, a lot more Ranger Suarez starts, Velasquez, Pavetta. I think all those guys would get starts if, this multiple doubleheader a week thing happens. Um, so that that's an, a really interesting angle, uh, excuse me, uh, wrinkle that uh, could really change a, a lot of the, the way teams are kind of put together and, and how many people we see play. And, you know, it's tough. And it also wear guys down. I mean, think about playing, if you're playing two doubleheaders a week and, and taking away off days and all that, I mean, you're talking about seven, eight, nine games a week. Nine games a week is, is a lot of baseball games to play. So, um it's interesting. It's something that um, is being discussed. Passing goes on. Well, the sides have discussed a myriad of options for a potential season. Both agree that if necessary, regular games, regular season games could stretch into October and playoff games. This is fascinating. Could be played at neutral sites in November, either in warm cities or if the government officials allow indoor events, dome stadiums, according to, to sources he also says expanded playoff scenarios have been under discussion but are likely to be settled as the scope of the coronavirus outbreak becomes clearer and a firm outline of a championship season is set so this is fascinating as well the idea that the season could stretch deep into april excuse me into october the regular season and that we could have playoff games played at neutral sites is really um, obviously unprecedented, something we've never seen before. And I, I'm, you know, obviously we don't know when we'll even be able to have fans back in the stadium. So does it matter that much? But, um, you know, not having a home field advantage or whatever, I mean, we could have a whole season without fans in the same. So who knows how this is all going to play out. Um, but I do think that is a, a real fascinating wrinkle there as again, the idea of playoff games being played at neutral sites, would really be something wild. That would be something obviously we've never seen before. And they'd have to do it if they go deep into November or even into November, you start to, you know, places like New York, Philadelphia, anything on the East coast is going to be real tough. It's going to be cold. It's going to be tough to play baseball games or at least to count on games. You know, it, maybe you have a good day. Maybe you have a bad day. You can't count on that day that you're playing that game being good that that game scheduled for. So that's a tough one. It's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. Passing goes on. Should the sides reach an agreement, the season, which was due to start today, Thursday, he says, which is today, and the sides have targeted Wednesday, so that was yesterday, even though we still haven't heard any um, full info from that, as a deadline, players probably would receive full service time if a championship season is played. So that's a big deal. We'll get into that in a second. A stalemate, uh, passing goes on. A stalemate over the doomsday scenario of a cancellation of the 2020 season and its impact on service time, which counts the number of days played in the major leagues, determines a number of milestones, including when a player reaches free agency and arbitration has complicated negotiations, his sources said. This is such a complicated and fascinating issue. You know, point being, 
that if they don't play a full season or if they if they play a championship season, they're coming the point is they'll agree that it is a year of service time. But I mean, if they don't play a season at all, Mookie Betts, someone who you know just got traded to the Dodgers, is scheduled to be a free agent at the end of this season. Does that mean he's not a free agent next offseason? Does that mean I, I would assume that that would all get pushed back here? But that is super complicated. It really pushes a lot of things back. It changes the timelines. And again, the arbitration stuff too, you know, with players and major league service time, uh, a perfect example of that is if the season is pushed back and it's a, a shortened season and let's say Spencer Howard comes up halfway through the season, does that count as a, a year of service time? Is this art? You know, there's so many different angles to that, that I, I mean, honestly, and looking through all this stuff that honestly could end up being the trickiest Part of this in terms of a negotiation aspect, in terms of, you know, what it could mean for the sport moving forward, the agreement with the Players Association, there were some really, he calls it complicated. I think it's a a perfect word. These negotiations are going to be incredibly complicated because the Players Association is going to want their guys to get that year no matter what. And if they don't play a championship season, as they call it, then then how how could they get that? So it is... um. That is a real fascinating sub angle or sub, you know, kind of category to this whole thing that I hadn't really thought much about at all, just a little bit, but hadn't really dove into the deepness of it. The idea that someone who should be a free agent might not be a free agent at the end of this year if they don't play baseball or if the season isn't a certain amount of games or whatever. That's a really fascinating angle. More from Passant. With teams bracing for significant financial losses and the industry facing a potential multi billion dollar shortfall. Rob Manfred, in a conference call Monday, urged teams to continue playing employees through at least April, sources said. Salary cuts, furloughs, deferred payments, or layoffs could come in May. The beginning of the season remains in limbo, according to club officials. Um, So, uh, you know, he says, uh, unlike the NHL and NBA, which uh, played a majority of the regular season games before shutting down, MLB and its teams have uh, have not tapped into their two greatest revenue streams, television contracts, and gate receipts. Um, this obviously, we saw this play out in Philly a couple days ago with uh, Josh Harris and, and Sixers ownership saying that they were going to um, request and uh, force certain employees, salaried employees, to take a 20% pay cut. Uh, and it was met with massive outrage, massive, massive outrage in Philadelphia. And ultimately, the ownership group was forced to backtrack and forced to say, hey, never mind, we're, we're not going to do this. This was a bad idea. Um, that is a fascinating angle because, look, if if he says stretching into May, there could be furloughs and deferrals and all that. I mean, that's that's going to happen. I mean, they're not going to play baseball before, before May. Like they said, June. They're shooting for an early June, and I think it's potentially even more likely it's later than that. You're running into a scenario again where we're going to hear about a lot of teams um, – not paying employees, not paying, uh, you know, looking for ways to furlough salaries, all this type of stuff. And that's going to be, again, met with a lot of consternation, a lot of upset fans, upset fan bases, upset cities, and of course, upset employees. So um, really, again, I think Major League Baseball heading for a, a potential real issue here. And I know I understand they're losing a lot of money by not being able to play, but at the same time, it's it never comes off well when when people have billions of dollars are not able to pay their employees and um again i don't know how it's going to play out i don't know what the answer is going to be but i would uh, it's it's um i think something that's going to be an issue for a lot of people
Um, so that is certainly something to watch with this as uh, as it goes on here. Uh, passing goes on. The uncertainty has rocked baseball, which initially delayed opening day two weeks and then pushed the start of the season back to May 10th at the earliest. It obviously will not be that soon. He goes on to say the likelihood of the pause lasting longer is significant enough that MLB and the players are acknowledging a number of interruptions to regular business, including, he says, a later start to the season than June. Multiple officials pointed toward July and is specifically around the All-Star Game in Los Angeles as a potentially powerful way to kick off the 2020 season. On the other hand, if games start in late June or early July, it could complicate All-Star Week. Yeah, obviously, it's like, what, are you having an All-Star Game before the season starts? I mean, who are the All-Stars? How does it figure out? You know, it's usually based on how guys are doing this and that. So that's a, a very complicated thing. You almost, I mean, almost feel like it's what's the point of doing the All-Star Game if, you know, you're not going to be able to um, really base it on anything guys have done this year, then it's just a popularity contest, which is fine. Look, it's the all-star game. So, um, you know, it's not necessarily, it doesn't matter in the same way, but um, I, I think that's probably low on their list, but I think they're, you know, look, it is something that's going to be impacted. If you start in the season in July, do you do the all-star game in, in August? Do you try and reschedule this whole thing? It's, it's a fascinating angle to it, especially if you're talking about a three month season, essentially um, when the all-star game is usually th- over three months into this season so you know that's a uh that's a tough one there um i do see them the uh starting in in early july makes a lot of sense you know starting late june early july i think that is something that does make a lot of sense uh passing goes on to say another another issue that they are um uh discussing uh games in front of no fans while both sides would prefer games with crowds, as an estimated 30% of revenue comes from gate receipts, they recognize that health officials might quash such an idea depending on the severity of outbreaks. Further, widespread adoption of social distancing could cut into the number of fans that attend games when they do resume. So that's another obvious, and that's something we've talked a lot about, but I think I think when games start again, I think it is likely that they will not be in front of fans. I think that you know, you're going to take that, that measure um, obviously, I think teams want to make money, and I get it. But I also, to that point, the passing made, I think there are a lot of people, and this is all fluid, right? We have no idea how long these outbreaks will last, whether um, they will get worse, whether they will get better, you know, whether the social distancing we've been doing so far will work, or whether you know we'll stop it too soon. We don't know. We don't know what this is going to happen. But I think that the most likely scenario is games played without fans for a while. I do. I think that's the most likely scenario. I think it's going to be the only real scenario that can kind of work for them to get games on earlier to get tv money and all that type of stuff so i think that's going to be a fascinating subplot to this whole thing and that really obviously translates to to all sports whether it's baseball basketball hockey if any of these comes back i think you're going to see them play without fans and i I do think his last point too holds it matters the idea that you know, there are a lot of people who aren't going to feel safe going to a game for a while. Like, even if if it's okay to go back outside, as they say, and the the you know, everything's kind of lifted. I think it's still going to be a lot of people who are are hesitant at first. Who it's going to take some time for them to feel comfortable going back to big gatherings and all that type of stuff. So, um, that's going to be something really interesting to watch, and obviously something that really kind of changes the way you look at the game and all that type of stuff. So, um, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, another thing that Passon says that uh, MLB is acknowledging. Games at neutral sites. We mentioned this before. He says, even during the regular season, teams in metropolitan areas where the highest prevalence of COVID-19 could play games at spring training facilities if outbreaks aren't quelled. That is another fascinating thing. You know, you you look at a a city like New York, which has had a massive outbreak, you know, do 
Um, do those teams play in Florida? I mean, do the Phillies play in Florida? Again, and also, just back to the point before, if there are no fans in the stadiums, then does it even matter? You know, does, does it matter if you're quote-unquote home? Um, I think that's going to be a really interesting subplot to this is, is you know, can they even play in these cities? Do they feel comfortable playing in these cities, especially if, if there's, you know, massive sickness going around or people are, are out of work or this or that? Like there's a lot of, um, or, you know, out of, uh, you know, not able to be out and about or whatever. Um, that's going to be interesting. And I think the games at neutral sites or um, whatever, games with no fans in the stadiums at neutral sites is something I think is is a real, realistic possibility here. Uh, he goes on the idea of a shortened spring training. He says, rather than spending a month ramping pitchers back up, MLB could opt for an abbreviated second spring and instead expand rosters to allow teams to carry extra pitchers. I mean, that just seems fraught with disaster written all over it. I mean, the whole point of spring training is to get guys ready to play the season, especially pitchers and their arms and ramping them back up. Like just cause you're giving more pitchers doesn't mean that we're not going to see more injuries. I think that sounds dangerous. That sounds the type of thing where I think it'll happen. I think that these guys are going to want to get people back on the field and making money. It's, again, we talk about it all the time, but sports are a business. Let's be real. It's just what it is. It's a business. So I do think that we are going to see teams try and force players out as quickly as they are allowed to get out there. And I don't think they're going to want to take a lot of time doing spring training. Certainly not a spring training where no one's going down there. There's no commerce. There's no business with it. So that's a dangerous one that scares me a little bit. But I do think that that's how it'll play out when it's all said and done. Um, I think we'll see a shortened spring training, and I think it could lead to a lot more injuries. So that's a worry. Um Passing goes on. Uh, questions about the draft and international signing period. He says, with hundreds of millions of dollars spent annually on amateur players, teams are balking at such an expense, particularly if games have not returned by the scheduled June 10 draft and July 2nd start to signing international amateurs. The concerns are particularly acute with high school and college seasons canceled and scouts currently pulled off the road. Yeah, I hadn't thought about this at all. Fascinating point. It makes a lot of sense. You know, whereas the NFL draft, it looks like that's going to take place and there won't be people there and all that. But at least with the NFL draft, these guys already played their seasons. The college football season was done by the time this happened. Even college basketball, they got to play the majority of their season. So whenever that draft comes around, you understand it. But but this is a lot of, uh, you know, college and high school baseball seasons that got canceled. So if you're a, a senior in high school, you know, who's going to get drafted, but you didn't get to play most of your senior season. I mean, that's tough. And then the fact that teams don't have scouts on the road, you can't go international scouting, that's going to be fascinating. I would bet there is no way the draft happens on June 10th. I don't know what they're going to do. I honestly don't. Um, I mean, we're not going to have college baseball seasons and high school baseball seasons, it looks like, I would guess. And you're not going to, it's not going to be a while before these teams are putting scouts back out on the road. So I think that's a tough one. And I don't know how they solve that. I think ultimately maybe they say, all right, we just have to have a draft and you have to do your best and, and uh, you know, go on what you've seen prior and it'll, it'll incentivize teams that have scouted well for the, you know, last year scouting guys for next year's draft and all that. But I think that seems like something that's going to be a real, real issue on both fronts, especially with scouts not being able to go out. Who knows when they'll be able to go out, especially if, look, you're not going to play. If the, if the season hadn't started by June 10th, which it looks like it won't, I mean, how do you go and have a, a draft of guys who haven't played? It's going to be a really tough one. I think that's a fascinating issue that I had not thought about that is going to be an issue. Passing goes on uh, another uh, issue that MLB is thinking about, a potential transaction freeze. He says if an agreement is reached, teams could adopt an embargo 
on signings and trades, which, you know, that makes sense. Look, if, you know, if you're not going to, um, if there's no baseball activity going on, then you shouldn't be able to sign or trade people, which is, again, that kind of hampers the whole commerce of everything. So I think that's something that we will see if an agreement is reached. I think that's a lock, to be honest, because, you know, you would think that at least until they quote unquote go back to that shortened spring training or whatever it's going to be, I, I think that is something that will happen. And then lastly, um, he says, changes to the arbitration system. Arbitration, which is a precedent-based precedent based system that uses statistics to award players their salaries in their fourth, fifth, and sixth major league seasons, would probably need adjusting, particularly with the expectations that salaries will be depressed going into 2021 because of lessened revenue. Multiple things in there. First and foremost, um, the point about salaries being depressed because of lessened revenue is, is tough. You know, you think about it, but it's true. But baseball is making less money. They're going to have less money to give out. Does that mean that if Mookie Betts is a free agent, that he's going to get a smaller contract than he would have before? I don't know. I don't know. And that's something that, and it's certainly, I think, probably more true for the the bottom tier, the, the lower tier free agents who, you know, we're going to make less money to begin with. I think that's going to be a massive issue. I think we will see uh, depressed salaries. Uh, I think that... It's going to be a problem for the Players Association. A lot of players are not going to be happy about it. And I think that's going to be a major, major issue. And and also, um, the point he makes about arbitration is another great point because arbitration is all based on what players have done. So how can you say in a shortened season, um, you know, if they do have a shortened season, that, that those numbers, how do you stack those numbers up against other numbers? How do you... Um, arbitration is all based on history. It's all based on what the, this guy who is a similar comp to you got is what you're going to get or based on that or whatever. I mean, it's all based on history. It's all based on what's happened before and what will happen next. And if the history is completely thrown for a loop because of this, you know, obviously unforeseen and unprecedented type of event, how does that change the whole system? So, man, there's so much here and so much fascinating stuff with this. Um, that I really don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know. And again, that this is all based upon the fact that ultimately no one really has any idea when they will be back, when they'll be able to play again. You know, So um, it's, uh, it's all really up in the air. It's impossible to say what will happen, how it will play out, how it should play out. But these are a lot of real issues. Uh, you know, we had talked a lot about what will happen, when will the season start, how will it start. You don't think about all the underlying factors. You know, the, the fact that that free agency could be completely changed because of this season if they do or don't have it. The fact that arbitration is changed. The fact that, um, you know, all the service time issues, uh, all these different things that are, you know, the draft, the international signing uh, period, like, Man, it's just all really, and that's not even talking about the, the logistical things we talked about, like playing in front of fans, playing in, at neutral sites. Like, there's just so, playing into November, having to play playoff games at neutral sites. I mean, this is crazy stuff, and it, it's, of course, unprecedented, and it, I get it. Like, I'm not, I'm not bashing it. I understand where they're coming from, but it's just, um, I just think it highlights that there is so much more going on with this. Um in terms of things that, that logistical issues that need to be solved than just, oh, whenever they can play baseball again, they'll play baseball again. It's not that simple. There's a lot more to it. So um, we'll obviously keep track of this as more news uh, breaks and 
you know, we kind of get a feel for what it's going to be. And again, it's all fluid. We don't know when and if they will be allowed to play again. So um, I want to get into Phillies X Factor stuff, but I'll save that. Well, we've got a lot of time. We'll, we'll talk some Phillies X Factors next week. We'll do a little face the franchise action tomorrow. One other bit of news, though, that does relate to the Phillies. Um, and obviously you never want to see anyone get hurt, but it does help the Phillies, the rival, uh, a team that a lot of people have picked to finish right ahead of the Phillies in the division, the New York Mets. Noah Syndergaard, torn UCL, ulnar collateral ligament, Tommy John surgery. So we will not see Noah Syndergaard pitch for at least a year and probably longer. Um, in Deep into 2021, yeah, you would think. So, um, again, that's a major blow to the Mets. Syndergaard, one of the most talented pitchers in baseball, Pure talent, like really top five potentially is really up there. He hasn't put it all together the same way DeGrom has, um, who is the best pitcher in baseball. But um, Syndergaard's definitely someone they were counting on. I mean, part of the strength of that team is having DeGrom and Syndergaard at the top of that rotation. You add in the fact that the Phillies stole Zach Wheeler away. It's a big blow. It's a big blow to the New York Mets. I'm not saying it's going to submarine their season, but it doesn't help. You know, it really doesn't help the Mets. That's a, a big deal, losing Syndergaard for a year plus, year and a half, whatever it ends up being. Um, and that'll help the Phillies. It'll help the Braves. It helps the Nats. It helps the teams in the division because um, the Mets are, are just not going to be as strong. All right. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, logistical, interesting stuff about baseball. Today. Tomorrow we'll get back to having a little more fun. We'll talk about faces of the franchise for each team in the sport all time. Who's the all-time face of the franchise? We will find that out tomorrow. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, um, and hopefully we're able to give you a a little distraction from uh, the tough stuff today, and we'll be back at it again tomorrow. So until then, thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.